Hi, Sasha. Welcome. Hey, Adam. Thank you very much for the, the invitation. Really excited uh, to be here today. Yeah, perfect. Uh, the reason is I wanted to know what was your first computer. My first computer, uh, let me think. So, so my first computer that I actually owned was a Commodore 16. It was like ages ago. My mm -hmm. grandma bought me that one because uh, this time Aldi had like a sale of those Commodore 16s. And uh, before that, I played around with the Schneider CPC mm -hmm. um, and I wanted to have one of those magic machines. So my grandma bought me this for, 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 for Christmas and it was um, an, an amazing Christmas present. So my, my mother actually was, was not that happy um, about the computer, but uh, yeah, I, I really, really enjoyed it. Why not? Because of uh, playing, right? Or... Exactly, yeah. So, uh, I mean, uh, her... Um, she only thought about okay, uh, you can only play with with this machine. But but after two years, I started um, playing around with it more. Like let's say, um, how is this how is this magic machine actually working? So I started coding um, first basic um, first basic programs, and then uh, started adopting other languages like Pascal and C and so on. Um, what was your favorite game? This really depends. On the machine, so uh, on the on the Commodore 16, yeah. um, it was Fingers Malone. Okay, it was like a platformer game where you had like one screen, and then uh, you had to go to a certain exit. It was it was really um, really hard to be honest. So I spent quite a lot of time playing that, mm -hmm. and then um, I got a Commodore 128. And wow, from C16 to 128, no C64. Yes, no, uh, I mean, um, the it had this C64 mode, which I mm -hmm. often use for, for playing games, obviously, and the C128 mode was mainly for, for coding. Stuff, were there so no games for 128? Not really, not, mm -hmm. too, not too many. I mean, there were certain versions for it because it had uh, enhanced capabilities when it comes to uh, faster CPU and so on, but very, um, but 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 only um, a small amount of games really uh, took advantage of that. But I mean, on the on the C sixty four, I really loved Terrican. That was amazing. Terrican. Is this with the train? No, it was uh, basically like a platform shooter where you had this um, Manfred Trenz uh, implemented this, okay. and he basically did everything. So uh, that's that was an amazing experience on the on the C sixty four. So we had like uh, super large sprites and uh, a lot of enemies. So it it was really really amazing experience. I remember two other games: R Type, R of course, R Type, and um, Meg Max on C sixty four. Magmax, I don't know this, but 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 R Type, I think this this was also a uh, Manfred Trenz game. Oh really? Yeah, I, I I have to look this up, but but uh, I, I I think it was also implemented by by Manfred Trenz. We have to 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 to, to do some research what Manfred is doing right now, right? Absolutely. It would be interesting to, to know. Yeah, okay, um, so you played games with the C sixteen. You started the coding on C sixteen, or was it later? Yeah, I started coding on on the C sixteen. So so two years later, uh, with with basic. So um, th that was really a great thing because um, the C sixteen also shipped with a um, simple basic tutorial, which mm -hmm. which was was on tape, so I could load it and then um, start coding. Mm -hmm. And um, why you started? I mean, I mean, so you you play game, you are happy, and and what was the idea to start coding? So the basic idea was. Um, I wanted to find out first, of course, how this uh, magic machine is actually working and, mm -hmm. and how I can um, implement my own ideas, how I can create my, my, my own game. So this was this was basically the the idea yeah, okay. behind it. And then I noticed, hey, uh, it can also help me at school. So um, yeah, which was super useful. So um, what was your first? How you started programming? Or what was your first program? Um, stand at Hello World, I think. Okay, and then later, what was the most impressive thing you did on the C16? On the C16, um, I was... This is a good question. I don't think that it was really impressive, just... Or something more complicated, I don't know, no, beyond Hello World. Yeah, uh, something for my math uh, lessons, I think, at, at the school, so to, 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 to do some, some, some math training... 
but uh, I really started serious coding on the Commodore 128. Uh, so I also implemented a game, which was uh, the first software that was, uh, um, so um, the first software title that was released that uh, I had had it written. So maybe you remember those those old uh, disc magazines where like shareware software mm -hmm. and um, uh, public domain software was released. So and then one of those magazines published it. And one of my colleagues um, actually is, is very deeply into retro computing and he found an online version of it. So the um, the, the, the game is still out there. And Your so game? Down, yes. So you wanted to tell me you, 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 let, let's second, you wrote a game and yeah. the, the game was published? It was published, yes. It's crazy. Got, like, yeah, but uh, I mean, how, how long it took, you know, from beginning to publishing and, and you, you wanted to to create a game or was it just accident or what was your mission with cc128 it was basically an accident so i noticed okay there is a sprite editor that you could use that uh, the, the the basic or uh, implementation for the uh, for the computer was just really designed to to do some um, some some graphics related stuff so this was really easy to use and then i thought okay why not uh, code something and try to 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 get it released. Okay, what was the name of the game? It was called uh, Pommes, which okay. translates to French fries. So okay. you were this little French fry, mm -hmm. and uh, you had to go to a certain exit, and then there was like um, ketchup and then mayo, and so on, um, coming from the upper part of the screen. And yeah, uh, yeah. Sounds like fun. So um, we need the link to the to to, to the game. I'll yes, put it to the show absolutely. Notes. <laughs> but it's cool, and, and and you made some money with it, or yeah, it was like uh, one hundred uh, Deutschmarks, something okay. like like but this. Back then, one hundred was like maybe two hundred euros right now, right? Yeah, it it was it was quite good. And how old were you? I think twelve or so. This is incredible. So, <laughs> so you're a natural born coder. So with twelve, <laughs> you publish your first game. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean this. This was a lot of fun. Uh, and, and, you, then uh, and you wrote the game in BASIC? Yes, it was completely in, in, in BASIC. And, 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 and how you got the ideas? I mean, you, you have to have some BASIC skills, timing, and, and maybe even kind of exactly. events. I mean, there were no events, but, you know, go sub at least or something to, to, to make it more structured. How you got the ideas? So, I mean, um, um, in my neighborhood, there were also um, two... Um, I had two friends in roughly okay. my, my my age, so we uh, were basically spending a lot of time um, in front of the computers, and we were sharing some ideas how to mm -hmm. how you could implement stuff like this. And then we came up things like, okay, uh, you need those this this is basic uh, control loop, right? So mm -hmm. for a game, uh, mm -hmm. you need to implement collision detection, and so on and so on. So and yeah, then we we put those those pieces together and started implementing games okay cool then yeah, i'm already curious what happened afterwards so the, uh, you published the game and what was the next idea i mean you were surprised that it was successful or what or are you are you knew that it was going to be successful or what no not really i was just sending it over and i was super surprised that it it was it was actually picked and and then after that we uh, started coding more complex stuff so then i started learning turbo pascal because mm -hmm. it was uh, much faster mm -hmm. and then i started uh, going into um like more painting more complex stuff but but not really game development um and then i've bought an amiga 1200 Mm -hmm. And uh, there I learned C, and I started coding... 1,200? Yeah. But I, um, I, I wanted to buy 500. And was Amiga 2000 as well? Was something like this? Amiga 2000, though? Uh, there, there was also an, an, an Amiga 2000. So you had this 500, 600,000. Okay. The 1,000 actually was the first Amiga, then the Amiga 2000, which was like a serious machine, and then the Amiga 3000 and 4000. Yeah. And 500, what was 500? If you compare 500 to the others, this was like the mainstream, right, Amiga? This was basically the, um, yeah, a very um, cost-efficient um, version okay. of mm -hmm. of the, the Amiga implementation, which which was basically uh, targeted to, for, like, like um, home users yeah, that exactly. wanted to play games and, and so on. And the 1200 um, had more capabilities. It had a different CPU and also a CPU slot where you could put, where you could put in turbo cards. So, so um, 
So, so basically accelerators with different CPUs, more memory, graphic cards, and so on. Okay. And and you bought the Amiga because you wanted to... Or, be, or because the, the 128 wasn't fast enough? Or Yeah, exactly. Okay. So, and then doing some, some serious coding, so I started learning C and then C++. Was C and C++ available on your Amiga? Yes. Okay. Uh, there was this... Uh, uh, this absolutely great storm c compiler which was which storm wasn't mm -hmm. that um expensive so it could easily afford it and it had an editor a compiler debugger everything included okay so how much time you spent with with coding and developing because at you had moment, school as well and uh, no, no back then you know ah back then uh oh, way too much way too much <laughs> um hours I mean, um, yeah, I was over over years and then. And which before. school you attended? Was it gymnasium in Germany or Realschule? Yeah, exactly. It was. Yeah, but it's still, gymnasium. gymnasium is somehow challenging. So, a gymnasium in German, how it translates to US? So, what is a gymnasium? Is a, is a strange name because it means something different in yeah. US. Yeah, is it is it is high school or something like this? I don't know. Because in German we have two kinds of high school, right? So this one is like Realschule is more how to call it more uh, practical, right? Yeah, and gymnasium exactly. is more, you know. How does call it? Uh, not soft arts, you know. There's a technical branch, or um, this more like preparation for new university, right? So and yeah, and, uh, yeah this is like this. And Realschule, you go there and do Fachhochschule, and the Fachhochschule is a like preparation for applied science, University of Applied Science, or two exactly. And gymnasium is somehow more challenging. So, how good you were at school back then? Not really good. Oh, very good. So at mean... least, at least something, you know. So if you say just no, just once, which are the best notes. Then you know something wrong with me, but is it okay? So then. Nah, I was I was really bad. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, I was I was really bad at school. And for, math uh, for math was okayish uh, mm -hmm. because uh, and and English later was was actually not that bad because I started reading all those uh, yeah. English uh, coding books. Mm -hmm. So yeah. What's uh, What's funny enough, uh, I also started coding no early, but uh, the, 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 I couldn't see the point in math. And and now it's interesting. If I look at the math formula or something, I, I see code, right? I see, okay, this is actually could yeah. be. But back then, the, the, okay, the math is like, you know, something which no one needs. And code is the real thing. But right now, math is like almost programming for me. I always think, okay, this is cool. I could write a code, you know, for for it. Yeah, I, I mean, I have this. I have this one one uh, point in time where where I realized, oh my god, math can help me so much because um, if you try to uh, design a level uh, for for a game, mm -hmm. um, how this usually looks like, um, you have those blocks which are repeating, which you can see. At, for instance, take a close look at at, at Super Mario. There you mm -hmm. see. Uh, always structures that are repeating and uh -huh. those can be represented by like an array for instance and mm -hmm. then you have an array of, of, of numbers and this is basically how you can do the the the, the uh, basic level design of it and then I've, I've realized okay this is how i can represent my data and this is why i basically actually need math yeah and even you know if you have a formula you know i don't know x y a b c or whatever Though I see variables right now, right? Okay, we can create a for loop yeah. and variable and a function and it's done. And But back then it was like somehow too abstract. I don't know, maybe, I don't know, maybe the teachers were different or, or whatever, but I, I, it's like, okay, this is not applicable, you know, but now it's very applicable. Yeah, I mean, it really depends on the teacher. I totally yeah. agree. Yeah, yeah very cool. Um, so um, I'm impressed. So I started to, to, to work with C and C++ to create a, uh, what is that, a, a paint Shop Pro or something like this. Yeah, something like this. Um, because Why? the Amiga had this. I I, I played around with D Deluxe Paint, uh, which was okay. the de facto standard uh, paint tool for Amigas mm -hmm. this uh, this this is time, and I wanted to implement something similar. And the mm -hmm. Amiga had this very interesting uh, graphics capabilities with with the, with the with the, the custom chipset which you which you could use. And then I bought this. Amiga ROM kernel reference manual and API description books, which were like 1,000 pages okay. of a super complex uh, mix of English and, and, and C codes and started diving deep there. Uh, and that was a lot of fun. Problem was at, at this time, um, um, the Amiga was basically a multitasking operating mm -hmm. system but um, no memory protection. So this okay. means in C++, if you made 
a mistake, you could easily crash the whole system by just overwriting um, some, some some memory blocks. This was also the problem with the first Apples, right? And maybe yeah. because they were based on the same you know, architecture or similar architecture because Amiga was 68,000, right? Yeah, exactly, 68,000. Uh, but the thing is, um, the operating system was, was, was really um, small, super efficient, and had, had multitasking. Well, was so, it Amiga um, OS? What was the name? Yeah, exactly, Amiga OS. Okay. And your program or software, did it work or you abandoned it? Uh, I've abandoned it. So I've I've implemented a, a couple of functionalities and then I stopped because I, I've realized, oh my God, this is so much work I have to put into this. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, super hard to, to, to manage if you're the, the, the only person working on it. How, how old were you back then? I think 14 or so. Oh, this is crazy. I mean, if 40, okay, if you managed to do this, this would be even crazier. Yeah, cool. So I'm really curious. What happens then? So you, with 14, you knew C. Yeah, I started learning C, exactly. And then... And no uh, no problems with pointers and references, dereferences? I went through hell, to yeah. be honest. Okay. Uh, it, it was like, especially pointers and references, I spent so much time on really understanding how this works. So yeah. okay. do I have to pass a reference? Uh, and so on. And, and <laughs> I've recently taken a closer look at, at, at Rust and then I've, I've noticed, ah, still references there. Mm, interesting. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, and then I um, stick with, with C++ for a long time. And then I've heard about this, this new thing um, coming up called Java. And it immediately caught me how, how like, old were you with the java java one 18 or so it was 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 java one uh java 1.0 wow uh-huh. and uh i mean uh, uh java 1.1 brought um a lot of enhancements so that you could actually use the language properly and and the and the, the virtual machine but it was like oh my god this is this is so cool because you had this write once uh run anywhere promise mm-hmm um, uh, so, was, sorry, where it was Java available on Amiga? No, um, no. Um, then I bought a Mac because ah, then I had which Java. one? Oh, this was a Power Mac six thousand five hundred with two hundred seventy five megahertz. Um, this was one of those machines that was that looked a little bit wild and were limited when it comes to um, additional extensions, like mm-hmm. you could put in an additional graphics card and so on, but it was uh, sold uh, with 50% discount. So I said, okay, this is my next machine. Okay. But uh, Java ran on it? Yes. Okay. You had a Java implementation by Apple these mm-hmm. days, and there was also a JVM implementation by, oh, I forgot the name. This was also, ah, MetroWorks. They Metro, also, Code Warrior. Code Warrior. Exactly. ID. I use Code Warrior. I, I always wanted to test Code Warrior, but I never managed mm-hmm. Um, it was nice. It was really nice to use. I mean, um, compared to Storm C, it was a big step forward because mm-hmm. um, it was so the debugging capabilities were, were much more enhanced, and it was way easier to to uh, write code with it. Mm-hmm. What I wonder, I had uh, lots of listeners or, or guests, not listeners, guests, listeners probably as well, but um, guests in in the show. And they uh, were low-level programmers, as you were, you know, highly optimized code. And then Java came out, and they they really liked that. I would say if I would, I started also with C and C++, but um, I was not that, you know, it was later. So I started with BASIC, 2 Pascal, and then I started with C and C++, and maybe one year later, Java came out. Mm -hmm. So for me, I still didn't like Java a lot because uh, C++ had, you know, operator overloading, and the C in and C out, which were really liked, you know, it's like this is great, you know, like you know these streams in and out, and and I I always overloaded my plus with, for instance, for matrix calculations or or multiplies or just just fun, and then you know the templates came out. I was also very very interested in templates, and Java was very limited, so for me it's okay. Yeah. What I was intrigued with Java was more like, you know, the design, the coffee, something. What's going on? It looks nice. And Sun Microsystems, nice company. They build, you know, machines. So I knew that it's going to be big, but I didn't like the code. And Apple's were just stupid. So I couldn't understand why I was to spend time, you know, to write something which moves in the browser. So, okay, this is completely pointless. And, and I got the idea later. So interesting that you like Java from the beginning. Yeah, I mean, because the... the 
the reason for this was, was mainly that uh, it was a very clean language. It was a very clean design. Of course, I mean, um, initially, because of the limitations of the machine, things like uh, ints uh, were uh, not really an object. So yeah. um, there was one this would compromise. I, I, did, I didn't even recognize that. For me, for instance, interfaces were pointless. But because in C++, you know, this was nice. This was the header file was somewhere. Yeah. And you could, this was for me, but in, I couldn't understand, so why I should use interface? I mean, this was like stupid. And and multiple inheritance was not there, so just limitations yeah. without, you know, without benefits at the beginning, because, uh, uh, of course, right, as C++ developer, I always had multiple inheritance just for fun. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and Java, yeah, but, um, yeah, this is interesting. But uh, you're right, from, 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 from clean, so maybe I like, you know, the complexity of C++. Say cool. No, you, we can. You can just you know play the entire day with templates. I was not that industrial design like now. So just do the work and forget about that. I really like to play yeah. with it, right? So this is and Java was le less playful. So just do the job and done, right? Absolutely. I mean, it was stripped down initially for the the the, the bare minimum and and also um, covered some of the issues mm -hmm. that, that C++ had. I mean, like uh, operator overloading, I also like this, but um, I mean, if you don't uh, look at your code for several weeks and then yeah. um, go back and see, okay. And well, a project which is a hell. Just, yeah. just just imagine, you know, uh, larger projects and developers start, you know, to, to, to overload the operators. This, this is just in Java would be hell on earth. Exactly. So, and uh, what I also really liked was in the beginning AWT. So that mm -hmm. I could just easily paint um, UIs, mm -hmm. or yeah, and then basically, yeah, um, um, Swing was was also very nice because you could heavily uh, extend it. So yeah, but Swing uh, came least, later, remember? So the, yeah. the first it was Come Sun Swing, and then there was a huge refactoring to JavaX, whatever. And I uh, evaluated Swing for a company before Swing came out, so that we got like uh, a, mm -hmm. it was separate to Java. So we downloaded the Swing. And I remember the text fields were not properly rendered, so it was yeah. like one line was missing or whatever, but everyone was excited. So, um, yeah. And what I remember, the big deal, why I got the Java projects at the beginning, so it was multi-threaded. This was this, the thread is in, inside the Java. This was a big deal. True, yeah. Then the uh, we had at least at the beginning hash table, dictionary, and vector. Yeah. Which was uh, not part of C++, uh, I think. You had the standard template library, but there is no data structure inside. Later, we got the Java collection framework. I don't know whether you remember. Yeah. At the beginning, I had to evaluate in projects which Java collection framework to use. So you had to buy them. There were uh, all the collection uh, frameworks. And then Java util collections came out and everything died. You're right, yes. And I forgot I the names even. There was like Rock, Rock Wave, Rock Wave or something like this. This was like you know, one, one provider... Uh, and uh, and uh, lots of I have to look it up because there are nice companies, and there's a website Programmers Paradise. You remember this Programmers Paradise? Yeah, I, I know, know that. Yeah. whether it was Gemma or not, but this is where we bought the stuff there. Yeah. Cool stuff, uh, Sasha. So um, okay, so you like Java with uh, Mac, which is crazy because I had a Mac G4. Mm -hmm. And the G4 was not that good with Java back then, I remember. It was hard to get a newer one later, so it was actually terrible. And so I was curious what was the story. But I attended Java 1 in the year 2000, mm -hmm. and for unknown reasons no one remembers, I have the tape somewhere. Uh, Steve Jobs was on stage with uh, Scott McNeely. Nice. And uh, I actually, and, and Steve Jobs promised uh, Scott McNeely that, um, that the... Um, Apple is going to be the best supported Java platform ever. Yes, you're right. I remember, yeah. And then I bought DJ4, so later as you. But uh, it was promised, but not really. So I never really used that. So, uh. And I have to look it up because I taped this. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> somewhere, somewhere it is. Um, so uh, let's, this was the same Java one with lots of uh, devices, but 2000 was that big that there were officially 30,000 uh, developers, but it was bigger yeah. than this because um, they, they told, you know, the keynote, uh, uh, officially 30,000, we cannot tell you how, how many because, you know, the fire department is watching us and we cannot, you know, admit <laughs> that there's more than this. So there's actually a cool, okay. cool story. And all the hotels around Moscone were occupied with Java people. Nice. Okay, cool. S yeah? I mean, it is... Uh, I bought a Mac at this time because I 
really didn't like Windows. Um, mm -hmm. So and then uh, after like a couple of months, I also bought a new used box to to to, to just run Linux mm -hmm. because at the university we had like those um, Sun Microsystems workstations and oh. so on. And you you so, studied the computer science after gymnasium? Yeah, exactly. Okay, started cool. studying computer yeah, science. Yeah, sure. Um, for me, it was I never had Windows actually before, but because uh, I knew I need C compiler, and uh, for me it was clear it is not available on Windows for no reason. So I mm -hmm. knew I had to buy Linux. So I assembled my own machine with Linux, and then I got the C C plus plus compiler and lots of experiments. So at the beginning it was just a terminal because there was no X window. I couldn't yeah. make it work, but that then it worked. Um, Okay, cool. So what you did with Java then? This is more interesting. So it was uh, JDK 1.1, you said it was 1997 we speak about, right? Yeah, approximately, yeah. And then, I mean, at the university, um, the, the first programming language uh, we had there was, was with Java. Oh. So, um, yeah. That was that was fairly new. It was in '98 or so, and they built this, this is new computer science um, course. Um, yeah. With a lot of hands-on, and uh, then um, all the things we have done at university, or most of the things were, were basically using using Java. Mm -hmm. So, and then I started adopting it, and then after university, uh, first uh, my, my first jobs were were also um, yeah somehow Java related, and then yeah. Um, at the university, uh, what you did, did you did something significant with Java or just, you know, the assignments or, the, or you just enjoyed the university and forgot about programming? No. Um, so, um, I mean, I used to work for Siemens um, huh? as a, um, how's it called? Um, Intern? As a student... Yeah, somehow. Good. I mean, I, I I had like a student job at at, at Siemens, and uh, we've we've built a um, system to manage your documents, basically. So, was it uh, Siemens was, Munich? No, it was Siemens in in Paderborn because I studied computer science in in Paderborn. Okay, because I was was student in uh, Siemens authorized Java Center, but in Munich. Ah. So this is why I'm asking. Ah, okay, I see. No, unfortunately not. Um, and yeah, we built this. This is document management system, and this was um, completely built in in Java. And uh, I was responsible for for some of those parts that that were basically um, yeah, UI related, mm -hmm. drag and drop stuff. So I played a lot with with this Java Swing. Uh, mm -hmm. So that was that was a lot of fun. And then yeah, this was basically my my, my task. Yeah, cool. So what happened after university? Where you started? Um, in a um, small company uh, in, a, in a city called Erlangen, which is close to Nürnberg. Uh -huh. um, um, the What's the name of the company, just, if you can... It's called Spirit Link. Okay. And uh, we were doing a lot of stuff for, for, for uh, the, uh, Siemens mm -hmm. uh, those days, so, mm -hmm. so Siemens Medic uh, Care and, and so on. And then we started also building um, customer relationship management tools, uh, also based on, on, on Java. And then um, this was basically the first time I um, had the chance to work with, with IntelliJ, and I was so impressed. It was so great. Yeah. I also early, so I suggested uh, idea IntelliJ back then. It was... 2000 <clears throat> and and before that i used jbuilder a lot and yeah. uh after jbuilder eclipse actually because eclipse was very good with refactoring comparing to, to jbuilder yeah and um intellij was always the problem that uh, i had i was i'm consultant i had always you know to to convince my clients to buy the license first yeah and this was mission impossible for me because uh in German companies, until the license is, is bought, you know, uh, it, you, easily, you can, you know, the project is over and you get approval for the license. So now it's better, yeah. but back then it was terrible. Okay, uh, pretty cool. So Spreadlink, what, what do you build? Like server-side software, was it? or was It it was mainly server-side software, yes. And then... You um, built your own server or you there were already J2E or, or what do you use? Now we've built our own server mm -hmm. based on, um, how was the servlet engine called? Resin, exactly. Wow. Resin. Caucho, the company, was one of the fastest. Uh, yeah. I think eBay ran on resin once. Is it? It was a facet, uh, facet at, at at that time, and it could be easily extended. And this is why we picked it. Mm -hmm. and, and then I've dived deep into performance optimization because at this point of time, um, there were. I mean, if you had like two strings and you did a plus, then you know, yeah. uh, memory had to be copied and so on and so on. So and now no more, right? Now now the the compiler, exactly. yeah. 
Yeah, that's interesting. So, so we had to use string builder, string buffer, something. Yeah, like yeah. This. So we went through the code, did, did all that, measured how it performed, yeah. uh, heap dumps, and so on. So that was super interesting. Learned a lot. Okay. And after the company? Um, then I've joined Accenture. Um, and Grow we or go, right? This is the... <laughs> that, was, uh, that was a really interesting experience. So uh, I learned there a lot especially about uh, communication how to speak with with customers um how to do requirements gathering all that all that all that stuff that you that you basically need which which also helps me um mm -hmm. these days uh, you were also technical or just you know higher level yes yeah? okay um technical consultant so this this was um accenture technology solutions mm -hmm. um so and we worked in the financial uh, for a financial services customer in, in munich mm -hmm. where we've built a, a risk management system okay so with java with java um not really in in the beginning so it it was based on uh, c++ with windows which mm -hmm. was a software that they've licensed mm -hmm. and uh, we were basically responsible uh, for the implementation of the whole orchestration mm -hmm. like okay data coming in data going out market data all that mm -hmm. stuff and then uh later um we've noticed okay uh we can optimize certain things because mm -hmm. um, the um, reports had to be calculated overnight, which was from a uh, which was a very challenging task because of the machines and how the data. Yeah, batch is, processing, is, right? So these exactly. were hosted in the night. There was batch processing, and then during the day, did something different. Exactly, and there was an ETL um, program mm -hmm. by the. Um, provider of the of the software and mm -hmm. this was one of the bottlenecks and mm -hmm. it was super slow and i've taken a close look at how this is actually working mm -hmm. and i do uh, and i did a completely a clean room re-implementation using java and using a, f a few fancy tricks to to um, optimize mm -hmm. the runtime also adding new capabilities for for load balancing um, so it could easily distribute the, the, the different contracts and so on uh, for for the different machines, so so that you get uh, same or similar runtime. Mm -hmm. So okay, and you this was the only project at Accenture. Mm, um, this was going for two and a half years. Okay, it was really um, ex, ex, a huge project, uh, a lot of different components, mm -hmm. like starting from the mainframe, and then later reports. So. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. Um, what? And you quit Accenture after the project, so I can no more batch processing on the host. <laughs> well, um, I joined another company. Uh, was called SoftLab. It's it's now um, part of of NTT Data. This was a BMW company. Yes, exactly. It was a BMW company. Um, this was a great name, and they changed it from SoftLab to something Circuit. Exactly, Circuit. Circuit, and then it is like why. Software was that great, and Circuit was like, I mean, no one cares about and Entity Data is okay because they're both, but Circuit, why you why would change your name from SoftLab, which is pretty cool, to Circuit, right? I don't know, to be honest. Yeah, this is a market, from marketing perspective, is, is, is terrible, but um, I didn't knew that. So, that you work for SoftLab, because I did also some BMW and also worked for SoftLab from time to time as a consultant. When was it as you spent time at SoftLab? Good question. 2000, me... I guess, already. Three has to be right. So if if nineteen ninety seven you started with Java, let's say university yeah. four years, two and a half years, so two thousand five. Yeah, two thousand seven, two thousand eight, something like this. Okay. Yeah. And what you did there at SoftLab? Um, it was basically uh, similar, um, or more or less the same, because okay. the customer was 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 really happy with my work. So and they knew where I um, was 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 going to. So they were asking. Uh, hey, uh, we want to work with with Sasha again, uh, and then cool. yeah, I immediately had like a new project, which was basically the old project for SoftLab. Exactly for for SoftLab. Ah, okay. So you didn't work for BMW back then, just for no. Okay, just for this financial services customer. And you say okay again the same project, so you quit then SoftLab, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, not really. Um, it's um, uh, then I had another project um, at at that SoftLab, and then. Um, and then another company approached me and say, "Hey, um, do you want to work um, for us because we want to um, build a financial services department focusing okay. on specific risk management uh, things?" And so I, I joined them. Mm -hmm. Which was the name of the company? Uh, MSG. 
Oh, <laughs> I also know, you know, the uh, MSG people. So there's the Markus Eisele is one of the MSG people. Yeah. He's a uh, uh, works right now for Red Hat, but uh, back then he worked for uh, MSG and uh, they, they are all over the place. So I I was invited even to Romania to 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 uh, us you know for technology uh, stuff consulting. Um, oh, really? So yeah, they are they are all over the place right now. There's a huge company actually. MSG is in Munich, so Ismaning, and yeah. they, they are in, in I know Passau everywhere. So um, wow. Mm-hmm. Huge company. Cool. And what do you did financial again? Exactly. Fine financial services. Okay. Um, again, um, and um, BMW projects as, as well. Mm-hmm. And then um, a headhunter approached me and asked, "Hey, do you want to work for for Allianz Insurance?" Um, so um, afterwards, you you uh, uh, Allianz Versicherung. Allianz, exactly. Allianz Versicherung. Oh, okay. So I also spent some was... time there because um, I spent some time at Vereinte, which was bought by Allianz, and then a little bit ah, by okay. Allianz. Uh, also in Ismaning. This is at the same city almost, MS, MSG and Allianz. Um, it's not Ismaning. It's, um, oh, how's it called? But in um, the near of Ismaning, right? It's 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 close to, to, to Ismaning. Uh, um, I forgot the name, but 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 it's close. It's yeah. it's same S-Bahn line if you want to go yeah. to the... Maybe to MSG is also not Ismaning, but this is very close to Ismaning. Uh, yeah. yeah, it is as close as money. Okay. Um, and there I started learning more about infrastructure because what we did was um, we've built... So at this point of time, um, they had a lot of WebSphere servers, right? Exactly. And the, and the, and the department was called Argis or something, right? Uh, I, I used to work at, at Amos. Okay. Uh, Alliance Managed Operations Services. Okay. Something uh, like this. Because they had their own department which cared about WebSphere and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, our task was was basically to build a, um, let's say, um, a more cost-efficient version of a Java EE implementation using JBoss. Mm -hmm. And we did this together with Red Hat. And what we did was was basically, um, 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 so no manual deployments, everything automated. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's the the customer's responsibility if something goes wrong or not. And... um, that was super successful. I mean, this was, was like people were buying our services like crazy mm-hmm. because it was much more convenient to use, faster deployment times, um, also way cheaper. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that was a lot of fun. So I learned a lot about um, scripting, deployments. What, what do you use scripting? So do you use Ansible or what? Um, actually, we used uh, a lot of uh, bash scripting okay. these these days. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't think that that Ansible was was a thing back back that days. And mm-hmm. we worked a lot with with Red Hat, of course. Uh, mm-hmm. There were always some folks from from Red Hat over there, um, and, and we've we've implemented this 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 together. Around two thousand eight, there was one commercial provider which used infrastructure. Was it infrastructure as code? It was like a scripting engine, and then Chef Puppet. And all the others happened. Uh, it yeah. was uh, uh, around 2008, 2009. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so you built something like software as a service, the entire provisioning pipeline, exactly. right? Exactly, exactly. Completely provisioning pipeline. So you, uh, almost serverless. So if you did it right, I could put give you an war and you deployed that, right? That was basically the, the, the intention of it, yes. So um, we've... So this is serverless? I mean... <sighs> From I mean, from, 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 from the model is serverless because I don't care about Wi-Fi anymore. I give you the war... And just do something with it. I just focus on business, right? Um, kind of, because the people still had access to to the servers. Um, okay. F- um, for the development stage, because sometimes they had to look up um, um, a couple of things, so it was not entirely serverless, but 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 it was. Yeah, but uh, if you have, if you do a local stack with Lambda, is also you have something on your machine and similar story, right? Yeah. Um, so. Not entirely serverless, but but really focusing on on the on the application. Yeah, but I, I this, is this is interesting for me. It is actually eighty percent serverless because uh, yeah, we had servers, but uh, of course, I, oh, okay. The, the 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 payment model was different because uh, it uh, you had to pay something for month. I assume you know depending on the number of CPUs or whatever. But from the from the idea, you only focus on business logic. You create a war. You have to you know to to follow some rules, and then you push the war. To your uh, to your pipeline, and you create with scripting the entire environment for me, and it runs. It is. It, it was more like a platform as a service offering. Okay. So, yeah, but um, in the end, um, it was 
a very good experience for for our customers or uh, i mean for for our internal customers and also for 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 us because we uh, could easily manage like 600 700 virtual machines with just two folks mm -hmm. uh, that was super super nice was was really great yeah and then you said because it's so nice i quit now well i mean we had this very interesting idea uh hey let's move to berlin mm -hmm. and then uh, i talked to to the alliance and i said hey uh, unfortunately it's not possible that you can work from 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 berlin so i had to quit unfortunately because uh, the job was 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 amazing and i really enjoyed it there and then i started working at a company called xanox mm -hmm. um, which is now um, affiliate uh, window um, or awin uh, which was in the um um basically it was advertising performance advertising it, it was called so so this means if you see like a banner mm -hmm. uh, uh for for i don't know a pair of shoes or something like this on on the web page mm -hmm. so um chances were uh, really high that 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 we were showing this okay and uh, there i learned a lot about um latency optimization because the uh latency if you show a banner and if you click on it and do the HTTP forward has a lot of influence on the conversion rate. Mm -hmm. So, and there I um, spent a lot of time with Vertex um, mm -hmm. and implementing a tracking system completely from scratch. So we had like, this is legacy tracking system that was built with Windows servers and with um, uh, SQL Server database and so on, and uh, we were basically um, completely rewriting the whole stack using mm -hmm. Java, using Vertex, using asynchronous I/O decoupling, uh, using um, Kinesis and, and Kafka and, and all these things. And that Kinesis was, and Kafka. Yes, because um, some parts of the system were running in our data center and some parts of okay. the system were running in, in AWS. Already in AWS um, back then, it's not bad. Yes. Okay, cool. I um, mean, and that was fully containerized. Uh, so this means even before um, Kubernetes or so was was a thing, or even ECS existed, we were using Docker agent and then starting the container on EC2 instances using an immutable deployment model. Um, yeah, that was that was really nice. Yeah, and this is what um, in one project uh, we have to set up some test instances. So this is what I'm actually doing right now. Uh, use CDK infrastructure as code, EC2. And we, I install Docker in the yeah. EC2 and can run it, you know, for test purposes and as a load buttons up front with a certificate and it works. So it is uh, yeah. because um, if you're running test software, you have still, you know, access to, to the shell via uh, system manager and uh, ECS no more. So, uh, uh, um, yeah, cool. This is where we met in, at Xanox, right? Exactly. We met there because we wanted to do an enablement session for, 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 for Java. Yes, exactly. And then we, we asked you, hey, mm -hmm. can you do that? Mm -hmm. uh, and then I also remember that we had this is, this is, um, meetup in, in the evening and mm -hmm. we had to close the doors because people were, were basically storming our office and we didn't have any, any, any seats left and, and no space left. So that was crazy. Mm -hmm. And what was the purpose of the session? I also remember that there were lots of attendees back then. And it was like a yeah. cool session because uh, I remember there was a large room with um, columns, right? So it, in the, so there was. Yes. A, I always have to move between the, the see me, but it was a nice crowd. So you you wanted to hire someone, or or was it like? Uh... Well, um, of course, one of the things was was that we. Um focus on on hiring and then um also doing a little bit of community work in in, okay. in berlin that, mm -hmm. that days so we thought about okay why why not yeah it's fun this was nice and what i also remember at xanox is that um i, I spent um the night in a hotel in the near of the company mm -hmm. and the crazy stuff about the hotel was that um it was by a movie company i think and inside the room there was a not movie, a music company, MGM or something like this, and they had Marshall amplifiers for guitar. So really? I could, yeah, in every hotel room. So I said, I never saw such such a thing, and uh, I cannot play guitar really. But uh, I thought uh, if I had a guitar, right, I could actually practice all night. And and this was in the near of Xanox. So this was Xanox, and there was the hotel, and the and it was very strange because the hotel, I think. M but MGM is movie. It was like hotel by uh, a music company. It was just about you know rock stars and and pianos and guitars and amplifiers and it was it was crazy. I never saw, saw such such a thing actually. Yeah, yeah. 
um, in in the same building, I think, or in no, the, it was in, like five hundred meter, uh, meters uh, right. Yeah, there was media spray that that, that day, so so near 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 Kreuzberg and in the Friedrichshain. So yeah, yeah, something like this. Of... And um, yeah, and also interesting part, a guest of the show is Arian Times, and he also worked for Xanox. Seems like that could be the case. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, I say okay, this is great because I also uh, had you know some uh, some some experience with Xanox. And um, yeah, so what I did back then, I think I, I introduced, of course, Java E and, and did some, but I, the feedback was incredible. So uh, they asked me lots of questions and we repeat even this session because there was not enough uh, time. And uh, yeah, so thank you for the invitation afterwards. It was like t 10 years after. Yeah, of course. I mean, I mean that, was, that was really great. We really enjoyed it. And um, so you did, uh, you spent the time, so you moved back to Vertex. I know you asked me some stuff about XML parsing or whatever. This was the issue with with, uh, with latency. Just also remember, so we had a chat about yeah. that. And um, and um, so and then you quit Xanox at one point of time, right? Well, it, uh, I mean, we worked, of course, we had our account manager and, and account SA from, 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 from AWS. Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, of course, we shared what what we are going to to to, to implement, how this looks like. Um, had basically like a slide deck of the complete um, 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 architecture and implementation and so on. And then they approached us and asked, "Hey, uh, do you want to deliver a talk at at AWS Summit about your implementation?" And wow. then I said, "Yeah, of course, why not?" Um, and then I realized uh, I got the main stage in in the big room, so I was a little bit nervous about this. And then they've asked me, "Hey, do you want to join AWS?" And then the whole thing basically started. Okay, so you joined AWS. When was it? it was 2015. Wow, I didn't notice. So um, how I how I remember you again, um, I delivered a talk at the JCon conference, a nice conference, and you also were yeah. the speaker. And yes. I just saw Sasha. I was like, I know you from somewhere. And I remember the room with the amplifier. And then I invited you to the podcast. Like, we have to know <laughs> to speak about that because it was a nice experience. And um, yeah, JCon also great. It's going to be in, in Cologne uh, uh, this year. So uh, yeah. also. Okay. Uh -huh. So and what you did at uh, at AWS? So just Java related or no? I started as a um, as as an account solutions architect. So so this means working directly with with customers in the uh, small and medium business um, segment. Mm -hmm. um, back these days, it was called inside sales. Um, so of course, so um, supporting our our customers and supporting our our um, what means our support? Managers. I mean, uh, it's like so this is. Uh, let's say you're a company and you uh, open your AWS account mm -hmm. and you start moving, for instance, to your workloads and, mm -hmm. and, and you need help. Then usually you approach your account manager. Okay. And if the account manager uh, needs to dive a little bit deeper from a technical perspective, uh, um, perspective they include the um, the account solutions architect in the whole conversation and the uh, account solutions architect takes a closer look at the at the um, uh, architecture implementation details and then gives a little bit of guidance about best practices and patterns how things can be optimized from a security perspective also from 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 a price perspective mm -hmm. and so on so that's basically what we do as account solutions architect. Okay. Yeah. For, and so I always yeah. um, what I learned is everyone who has an account in AWS has uh, an 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 manager, and uh, it can be well, dedicated or not. But you can always ping a manager and see what happens, right? This is usually the the, the case. I mean, we have we have so many customers. Yeah, it's basically um, Im impossible to 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 speak with each and every one. So we also have to think about okay, how can we uh, do enablement at a, at a larger scale? Which means writing blog posts, um, mm -hmm. giving conference talks about best practices and patterns and things like this. But if you are um, a, a company and if you have an account manager then then mm -hmm. usually you also have an account solutions architect and then you also have like specialist solution architects which are specialized in a certain technical oh, okay but um I, I guess you still saw lots of java projects right no um yes this is always i mean there was always my 
hobby more or less. Yeah. So um, when I had the chance to speak with customers about Java-related workloads, I always made some notes what they are implementing, what is working good, what is what is what is not working good, and then um, from 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 time to time I, I took this this as input and started writing my own pet project and doing like um, mm -hmm. um, implementations that. Um, could be released for 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 guidance and and mm -hmm. so on. So um, I mean, one example was uh, I had it was like two months every week I had with startups basically um, the same conversation mm -hmm. uh, about how to implement a tracking system. Mm -hmm. Then and um, tracking of what of uh, tracking or uh, so so advertising tracking. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, I said, look, okay. Um, we can do a half-day workshop about this because actually I've implemented something like this before and I know exactly how, how this works. And then uh, I said, okay, I don't want to have these 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 conversations um, mm -hmm. uh, ever and ever again because it's repetition yeah. and I can uh, spend my time better by doing a reference implementation, how something like mm -hmm. this looks like. Mm -hmm. So I did this reference implementation using Vertex, using Golang, and so on and so on. And this has been released. And this is uh, also, I mean, that is one of the things I, I, I really enjoy. So working with the customers, getting some, some feedback, and then um, thinking about, okay, how can this be improved, getting um, mm -hmm. feedback back to, to, to the service teams. But you have to ask your things manager, like whoever, can I do this? And they say, yes, it's a good idea or not, right? Or Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, usually this... This is a case, and sometimes um, it it is uh, aligned with a certain initiative we're we're doing, and okay. then it's 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 just okay. I'm I'm, I'm just doing it because okay. I think it's a good idea. Okay. Yeah, and but but uh, recently you do more and more Java again, right? No. True. Yeah. I mean, um, I spend a lot of time with things like Spring Boot and Quarkus and so on because we have a lot of customers that uh, use um, Java in the context of of containers. And sometimes they have um, challenges with this, with, uh, for instance, startup times mm -hmm. of, of their applications because they had their application running on-prem. Exactly. They just had one uh, virtual machine, one server, and everything was fine because it was starting quick. And then they moved it to to, to containers and then startup time was 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 basically an issue yeah. and yeah this is why i this is where i spend quite some time on, on optimizing and, and um, getting also feedback from from the different stakeholders and service teams and, and writing blog posts about yeah this. because i have less experience with spring and spring boot actually no experience with spring and spring boot uh, i always own one like uh, bug fixing project and i spend all my time with java e, but i get always the question no as always from time to time you know about the startup time yeah. And what I notice is that the Spring Boot startup time is a, is a larger issue than Quarkus or Micronaut. So it seems like it starts. So what's your experience? So you have some rough numbers. So I mean, because what I can tell you in all my projects, if you do AWS Lambda with one CPU, which uh, translates to roughly one to seven gig of RAM. So this is like you know my standard thing. The the Quarkus starts uh, if it's a large application, maybe in two seconds. And if it's a smaller application, and maybe one one and a half second without any optimization, just you know, right mm -hmm. away, just write stupid code and start it. And I, I notice, and I mentioned that, and and they say that it is impossible. It's like yeah, I mean, you can show you the numbers, and then I try started to record you know some videos because this is like it is. And um, what what's the the Spring Boot startup time as AWS Lambda? I'd say I would create you know a simple Spring Boot application. What's the what's the times there? Do you have rough? Ideas or experience? Not for um, for for AWS Lambda because uh, usually what 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 I use with um, with this Lambda is this Quarkus directly. Exactly. Yeah, it's just, just, just it's my just, problem as just, well. So I, yeah. yeah, or just no framework. Yeah, exactly. This is the second. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Why should I use a big framework in the, in the context of, of a Lambda function? But we've seen similar things when customers are doing this um, in the context of, of containers. Mm -hmm. So, um, And I've written a blog post about AWS Fargate and then Spring Boot. And we've um, implemented seven different versions of one application with different optimization levels. Okay. And we did some, some, some benchmarking. And, and um, also showed how you can 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 basically optimize for mm -hmm. for, for 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 startup time, and then it really depends, of course, on your application. Yeah, sure. What uh, you do, it is, you cannot say this, but um, yeah. there is some, you know, some let's say basic overhead. This is what interests me, and uh, yeah. 
And you compared the Spring Boot application with Quarkus or Micronaut? No, it was just the, the, the different versions of the Spring Boot application. Okay. And then we measured, okay, how long does uh, the application uh, take time to, to start? How long does the complete provisioning cycle uh, mm-hmm. take time? And so on and so on. So it's, it was... A, project over several months because it was quite complex uh, but uh, all the code is also in github so so, um, so we, we put it on the sh- to the show notes of course yeah, yeah. great um what you you said you know framework or no framework so um what i'm doing is um i'm misusing aws lambda as a great runtime for monolith so um my my functions are larger and larger and uh no kidding what i showed you, you know at xanox 10 years ago or whatever it was like an application on Whitefly with lots of classes, we package as a Lambda and it works great on Quarkus. So this is the one possibility that we are actually shipping microservices, if you will, on single AWS Lambda and it works perfectly. So the other use case for Lambdas is asynchronous Lambda. So I'm listening for mm-hmm. notification to S3. Yeah. Let's say uh, to uh, EventBridge, uh, other common or uh, yeah, SQS or Core Classic, Kinesis or, or, uh, or SNS. And this, you are right, no framework at all. So um, I, I, this is what I really like. I have no dependencies, so my lambdas are tiny. This is the cool. So if you compare the size of Java lambda with, you know, say, Python or, or Node.js, they are smaller, actually, because the bytecode is tiny. And um, and the uh, the um, and what I'm using, the SDK from Amazon directly. So I have a single dependency, you know, the S3 yeah. SDK or DynamoDB or whatever, and yeah. The only issue I saw is that it seems like if you're using DynamoDB with Java, it, the startup times are slower significantly slower than S3. So it seems like, you know, the DynamoDB does something behind the scenes. I try to to optimize it a bit with static initializer. So it, it I was I was able to do this, uh, I have to say, but still it seems like, you know, it creates some metadata behind the scenes or whatever. I will have to investigate this. this. But um, other, just not, not fault of Java, but um, how it is. But um, it works um, surprisingly well. And uh, I always ask, you know, why you're using no frameworks? Because I don't need dependency injection or whatever. I could, if you have, you know, I have still nice architecture, like, you know, I have the, 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 the facade and then classes, boundary control entity, what I always do, but it's just new. So there is no dependency yeah. injection. And I enjoy it because uh, everything is unit testable. And uh, the, the only ugly thing, or ugly, I mean, the entry point is, of course, you know, the entry point if you get in Lambda event or I use the input stream and com- uh, um, convert it to JSONB, for instance, so I can use event bridge events or whatever and then pass yeah. it around. So this is like very like servlets at the beginning, right? So very similar programming model, 1997 yeah. servlets and lots of fun, no dependencies, and it works. And even I use even JDK 11. Now, if I have called something JDK 11 HTTP client uh, built in, no dependencies, quite great. I mean, it it uh, this is this is also what what I um what what I s- suggest for for a lot of customers. Yeah. That that, that uh, I mean, usually you don't have too complex logic in your lambda function. So this means you can you can easily have your business logic implemented in a in a standard way, have it unit testable, and then um, you have like a, a small invocation layer mm-hmm. that basically abstracts away all the lambda specific um parts and then it's it's super convenient to use super easy and if you decide hey i want to move this to containers or to a different compute implementation you can just uh, use the the existing business logic code and just have another invocation layer yeah yeah, absolutely and by the way you say complex um i would say why i'm using quarkus is not because we write complex code we write code with many endpoints you know what i mean so this is we use http api gateway front with proxy integration and it just you know delegates everything to quarkus quarkus understands the http event from Mm -hmm. api gateway translates this to jaxos invocation and Mm -hmm. i have can have hundreds of endpoints and the dispatching happens behind the scenes but the code is not complex it is cumbersome to implement so this is like you know some Java E projects, we migrated to Lambda in this way. Okay, this is interesting. So if you have a, the, the cool story is if you have an old Glassfish, Wi-Fi, Payara, WebLogic, mm-hmm. WebSphere application, but it is written, you know, as I showed you 10 years ago, no dependencies, yeah. uh, clean code, and so far. So what you can do is um, you can, Quarkus understands microprofile and part of Java E. Exactly, yes. So, so you can just run the same code locally and then try mm-hmm. to package it and run as Lambda works perfectly okay and this, this is what um, i do all the time this is what i told you why i need quarkus always because uh, okay. this is all my projects and the cool story is 
developers really enjoy it because it what I told you serverless what you did you know at Allianz back then mm. it is almost the same experience you create function on zip with CDK push it and by the way we use full stack Java we have one microservice inside the microservice is lambda package and uh, CDK package there's one unit if you run Maven it deploys itself to AWS and it's done and uh, and uh, Quarkus because of no the uh, no reflection and build time optimization is crazy fast and now with Snapstart is even better because I can with CDK automatically now create the optimized image. So this is, and uh, this is why I always need Quarkus for my regular HTTP endpoint projects. And Lambda is just a way to have less plumbing. I don't have to care about VPC subnets and uh, security groups. I, I just mm -hmm. you know I focus on my business logic, which is by the way exactly this is what I did with Java E. This was my interest in Java E, and now I yeah. do the same with Lambda. And the other way of lambdas is I don't, of course, I don't like to have Quarkus if I already get an event from AWS, right? So if AWS emits an event, I can subscribe with a lambda, and I don't need Quarkus anymore because there is nothing to dispatch. So this is my two two architectures I do right now. This is a really interesting migration path. I always thought, okay, if you have a standard Java E application, then um, it is is basically um, yeah, migration target would be containers because you have a stateful application and so on and so on. But migrating to to Lambda is some very interesting. Yeah. Uh, actually, um, stateful EJBs were not that common, and um, I, I maybe you're interested. I, I delivered a talk two years ago for DevOps. It was online. Mm -hmm. It is somewhere out there, and uh, it was like the title was like EJB developers now is your time. And what I did is I explained Lambda with EJB ideas, and they are identical. So if you're an EJB developer, you know this is, um, for instance, Max Pool Size is this, uh, not provision concurrency, the uh, reserve concurrency. So you say, okay, there are mm -hmm. uh, at most, you know, 10 instances uh, running. Then min pool size um, is actually reserve concurrency because you would like, you know, to keep your Lambda warm as you did with EGBs. Then if EGB crashes, it was recreated. If Lambda crashes, it's recreated. Then, uh, so this is one-to-one -one mapping between EGB uh, ideas and Lambdas. And uh, I got actually good feedback and they say, absolutely clear. And this is what I use in my projects to migrate the old enterprise projects to serverless environments and of course right now with co2 and energy efficiency i get actually more projects that i can handle because uh in most enterprise projects environments if you think about this so what they have you know old uh or old i know my clients if they they have code written as i said you know no dependencies uh just no just no reflection don't uh, uh, by the way reflection was also forbidden in egbs you are not true yeah a file access forbidden by EGB, synchronized was not allowed by EGB. So if you just, you know, consider the uh, programming restrictions back then, you, you have great lambdas. And the only thing which you have to be aware of is that the um, uh, EGB, uh, the containers were multi-threaded and uh, lambdas are process-based. So what doesn't work, you cannot cache data in static, right? But this was the same in EGBs. If you run in a cluster, it was over. So, I mean, because it was, you know, you were in this bean and the other bean so it was a cluster with load balancing you have exactly the same problems with lambdas but um this is why i do java e more than ever before but in serverless environments <laughs> and clients are delighted because um if you if you think about typical typical enterprise application runs you know from eight to five and that happens nothing at night so we pay for, for day and nothing at night and if they have to spin up Kubernetes clusters, they have to pay you know, 100 euros for control plane or whatever, and then for the worker mm -hmm. nodes. And the next story is, Sasha, if you th think about this, every de developer can get an own account, right? So you get the entire dev environment for free in serverless. But mm -hmm. you cannot create a Kubernetes cluster per developer. This is a very interesting approach. Let me let me think about this because... Um, I do it for I mean, three years. There's nothing to think. You have to do this. So it works perfectly. Don't, don't tell no, anyone. I mean, so this is my, you know, my top secret. <laughs> Migration. Oh, okay, okay. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I mean... Um, I wrote an article for AWS. There was like a yes. blog. And in this article, I also said, let's see what happens. So I describe, you know, this is what I'm actually doing. Yeah, I mean, um, this year, one of the things I also want to do is to spend a little bit of time on, on, those, on those migration topics. Like um, when, when my customers still have their... their Java e server running and, and how could a, mm -hmm. a a good migration look like? So mm -hmm. this is this is very interesting. Only problem is GSF, so you have to do something with it. But of course, it's front end. Yeah, but the back end, yeah, yeah. So. Listen, uh, it was nice to meet you now again after ten years. Um, 
I uh, would be nice if you could send me, you know, all the references you have to your articles. Sure. I will mm-hmm. just put my articles there, like EGB or so, and you, you will see this, you will find this. It was a really nice session with you. So uh, it was fun. And I was surprised about your background. I didn't know. Uh, so we, we were very close to, to each other, but we met in Berlin the very first time, which was crazy. Yeah. This is, I mean, this is always always the same like um, i mean if you if you speak with people it's like oh i know this guy as well i i i, I know those folks and actually you've never met but yeah you a lot of work a lot of soft lab with alliance all the companies i yeah. never met you and and, and yeah. i met you in a completely different company at xanox and uh arian times which is a uh, um now he's on omnifish he creates own uh startup company but uh there, he was guest on the podcast and he He was Jakarta E uh, security spec lead, so he's actually a famous guy. He worked for Xenox a long time. Really interesting. Yeah, really interesting. Thank you. So, where people can find you on internet, um, or you know, reach you? Twitter, LinkedIn is always uh, it's always the best. Um, so it's um, Sasha two for two for for Twitter. So DMs are open if you want to have a chat about. I don't know, certain AWS-specific things like containers and so on, please please let mm-hmm. me know. And then LinkedIn, just search for my name. Yeah, and what I did recently, because I was asked by attendees, is I created a Discord server. The name is Airhacks. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Discord server is public, so you can join, but you have to be nice. So this is one of the rules, uh, productive and uh, pragmatic and nice. And there are already a lot of members. There's lots of fun. So if you like, just join Listener and you, Sasha. You can just join the server. There's nothing to do. Just join and have fun with us. Okay, thank you. Cool. Thank you very much for having me today. It was it was really nice. And uh I mean, one hour is already over. This was Yeah, this is time time flies, right? Exactly.